Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. As we continue our Songs of of Christmas series, I'll tell you what, I'm kind of uh, competitive, and I don't like to be last in many things, but Sal, I want to be last on that list. And so I love what Pastor Steve reminded of us of this morning, that that harvest offering is not given from the harvest, it's towards the harvest. And so I declare in the name of Jesus that that is a seed toward the harvest in this county, that the <laughs> drug addiction's going down, y'all. It's going down. And we are going to break this... We're going to break this and partner, I mean, just our amazing, uh, so blessed in this county, our, our city government and our sheriff's department and law enforcement and, and just many, many agencies. Um, and I love what they do, but we got the Jesus part. So we're going to bring the Jesus part, get them saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and partner together. Can we do that? And that's going to be a seed. That's our seed towards seeing this, uh, this stuff broken. Um, you saw on the, on the screens in the advertisement, I want to remind you, we do have, we've got between Concord and Davidson, next week we've got five experiences for you to be a part of, three on Sunday morning here in Concord, about 65 minutes, uh, music and a clear gospel presentation. Our, our young toddler now, Davidson, is going to their first uh, time where they have two services, so we're excited about that. Give them a hand out there. Growing and just reaching new people, and we're, we've got Facebook ads, we've got email stuff, we've got all that kind of stuff. But I just want to remind you, the most powerful invitation somebody can receive is a personal invitation from you. Just say, "Hey, would you come sit with me at church this Christmas?" And we're going to believe for a, for a great harvest. Um, and then I want to mention to you this morning that about halfway through the message, we're going to receive communion together. It's an open communion. We serve open communion at CFA, and what that means is this, you don't have to be a member of CFA, um, but the Bible does say that you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and we'll give you an opportunity to do that at the end of service, but communion, uh, here's an important thing, communion is halftime, so a lot of times we'll take communion at the end of service, turn to your neighbor, tell them communion's halftime, tell them no leaving during communion, tell them they'll miss the best part, okay, Um, so it's only halftime. The Songs of Christmas series, Songs of Christmas. So there's, there's well-known Songs of Christmas. I went on Billboard this week and was just looking, what are the all-time top uh, five all-time Christmas songs? So maybe think of your favorite Christmas song or what you think may be in this list. And I'm sure there's lots of lists, but this is Billboard's list. Number five was Jingle Bell Rock. Number four, uh, Burl Ives, Holly Jolly Christmas. Number three, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Number two, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And number one, Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you. And I give you permission just to begin to serenade your neighbor. Go ahead. Have a moment there, spouses. If you're available, this could be your moment. I'm just, I'm trying to set you up here. Stop, pastor's trying to help you. Uh, so there's, there's the well-known Christmas songs, but there's also some more, we'll call them more obscure Christmas songs out there. These are real. Uh, songs like, I'm going to lasso Santa Claus. Songs like, Ragin' Cajun Redneck Christmas. 
songs like Santa Claus is the original hippie. I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> Fat Daddy is Santa Claus. <laughs> and Dear Santa, bring me a man this Christmas. <laughs> Which is what I was trying to help you out with on the, on the other thing there. But uh, there's obscure Christmas songs, and, and then there's some, there's some obscure Christmas songs in the Bible. Um, there's some passages that preachers, we love to preach these passages every Christmas. And then there are passages, well, can I be, can I be transparent with you this morning? The passage that I'm going to preach to you this morning, um, as a pastor, I not only wish it wasn't in Scripture, but I would love to avoid it. There are some parts of the Bible that I would love to avoid. Have, are, are you there? There's some parts that, uh, here's, here's one of the reasons I think is just good evidence. How do you know, Pastor, how do you know the Bible is real? Here's, here's how, one way that you know it's real, because the Bible includes parts that if you were writing an autobiography about yourself, you wouldn't include those parts. You'd skip, a, there are a few things in your life that you would say, we'll just call those the hidden years. We'll call those the grace-covered years, and you would not write those stories, and, and you would hit the highlights, but, but I, I, I want you to know that we serve a God that is not afraid of dealing with the real, and the Bible tells it like it is, and the Bible is, and so this is my 40-something-ish Christmas in church, and to my, to my knowledge, I don't believe I've ever heard this passage preached at Christmas, but it's part of the Christmas story. I, I wish it wasn't there. It's kind of an embarrassing part of uh, the Christmas story. And it's found in the book of Matthew and also in the book of uh, Jeremiah, which we'll get to later on. And, and, and it's Rachel's song. And it's when I want to, what a title this morning. This is the forgotten Christmas song. This is the forgotten Christmas song. So the Christ child had been born. The wise man had traveled from a good distance away and they wanted to bring their gifts and to worship the king and they stopped off at King Herod's palace because they had the general information about where Jesus was but they needed some specific information. By the way, side note here, but there are lots of people, they're your neighbors, they're your co-workers, they're your relatives, they have a general understanding of what Christmas is about, like they understand that Christmas is about Jesus but but they need to know the specifics that Jesus is for them. And so that's why it's important that we not just share Christmas is about Jesus. We need to share that they need a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why it's real important where you get people here next week. So the wise men had this thing. They understood that Christmas generally was about Jesus, but they needed to know specifically where is he at. And King Herod did not take that too well because he was the king. And who are these other guys telling me that I'm not, wait a second, I'm not going to be the king anymore. And when people's power is threatened, sometimes it brings out the harsh reality of who they really were. And unfortunately, tra tragically, this is actually part of the Christmas narrative. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. And he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. And here's Rachel's song. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children 
refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. It's quite a dichotomy of the Christmas story, isn't it? Here you have Mary and Joseph and, and the angels and they're rejoicing and all of the heavenly host is singing glory to God and the highest peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Here's the wise men, they're giving gifts, they're celebrating, there's all of this joy going on in the land and, and, and prophets like Simeon and prophetesses like Anna are at the temple and they're saying our hope has been fulfilled and there's, there's so much joy and there's so much uh, wonderful things going on and all across Bethlehem, here are these mothers and they're, they're weeping and they're mourning because their babies have been killed. And what I know about Christmas is that Christmas is a magnifier. And what I mean by that is that no matter what emotion you are experiencing this morning, Christmas will magnify that emotion. So for some of you, you have joy, you have more joy during Christmas. For some of you, you may be experiencing peace and you have more peace during Christmas, but for others of you, you're lonely and Christmas seems more lonely. For others, you're experiencing loss and Christmas is a harder time. And, and, and can I just, can I give you permission on behalf of the God of the universe that is not afraid to deal with tough things in life? Can I give you permission as your pastor? It's okay to grieve and it's okay to be sad and it's okay to cry at Christmas and you don't have to pretend to be anybody when you walk in this church and if you're hurting, we love you and we accept you just the way you are. Because it's, it's all part of Christmas. It's all part of Christmas. How do we, how do we deal with these things? C.S. Lewis, who is one of the greatest theologians and, and Christmas writers of all time, he wrote about grief. His wife had just passed away and he, he, he wrote in this, the book is called A Grief Observed. He said, tonight... All the hells of young grief have opened up again. And sometimes that's what seems that Christmas does to our grief. It opens it up again. The mad words, the bitter resentment, the fluttering in the stomach, the nightmare in reality, the wallowed in tears. For in grief, nothing stays put. One keeps emerging from a phase, but it always recurs. Round and round, everything repeats. Am I going in circles or dare I hope? Am I go am I, I'm going in a spiral, but if a spiral, am I going up or down? Have you ever felt that way? I felt like I was taking a step forward and I had a memory and now I feel set back. I thought I got out of bed okay yesterday, but this morning I just want to pull the sheets over and, and stay in bed. I was with my, with my tribe again yesterday morning as I am about every uh, morning on Saturday, my Spartan tribe, shout out to my tribe. Uh, January 20th, it's coming again. So if you haven't found your tribe, we're gonna find your tribe. And, and I love being around these, these guys. And, uh, but one of the things, uh, one of the times when I don't love being around them is when, is when I'm winded. Like when I, get, when I get out of breath, when we run that one hill, that I call the hill of death. Like when we're, when we're ab, like, I don't want, don't encourage me, don't speak to me, certainly don't ask for a response from me. Like, I don't want to be around anybody. I just want, and, and have you found like that grief can be like that? It feels like the wind gets knocked out of you. And when the wind gets, when you can't catch your breath, all that matters is you getting your breath back. And so I'll, I'll take on a couple of poses. This would be the first pose that I take on. And that's, you're not supposed to do that though, right? And like if, those of you that play basketball and you're at the foul line 
and you're looking over at the other team. If the other team is grabbing a hold and leaning over, you're like, oh yeah, I got them because they're getting winded. So, I'll, but I'll, I'll go to that pose sometimes. There, there are other times when even uh, like it was yesterday when it was raining and there were puddles on the ground, I don't care. I don't care. I will assume this pose. I'll go all, all the way. And I just want to, Doug, you're wallowing in self-pity. I don't care. Whatever you want to call it, I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to breathe. There have been times where I've put my hood up and rolled over like that and just, but, but here's, here's what I found. And I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get better at this. What I've found, and, and apparently what they tell you is actually, if you want to catch your breath, the best thing to do is actually to walk, is not to curl over, is not to let, the best way to develop your lungs, the best way to fight through that pain is actually, is actually to walk. And well, that's what I hope we might do collectively together this morning. Maybe you've experienced a loss recently. Maybe it's been years ago, but maybe we could just take a, maybe we could just take a step. And sometimes it is a step. I don't feel like going to the Christmas party, but I'm going to take a step. I didn't really feel like coming to church this morning, Pastor, but I'm going to take a step. And listen, there will be days, there will be days when you do this. There will be days when you got to lay down and it's okay, but let's walk. Let's walk, let's take steps because we, we have to know, so how do, we, how do we do this? How do we cope with grief during, especially during the Christmas season? I think we gotta know number one, that God sees, God sees. See, God included, God, God doesn't waste anything in the Bible and if God included this embarrassing story, this kind of awkward story in scripture, I believe it's partially to remind us that God sees our joys, but he also sees your pain. He sees you right where you're at. He sees your need. He sees your tears. He sees hurt. He sees loneliness. He sees lack. But not only does God see, he cares. Because at Christmas, at Christmas, God was celebrating, but on Good Friday, was a different, see, God knows what it's like to get a son. God knows what it's like to lose a son. God cares about you because there's, a, there's something that, that, there's something, there's the empathy that goes forth that he, that he understands what it's like to go through this. As we walk through these times of, uh, we'll, we'll, they'll tell us, uh, we walk through shock and denial and pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, sometimes depression reflection and loneliness, reconstruction and working through, and finally to acceptance and hope. But it's all, it's all part of the grief process, and it's all okay. This morning, as the ushers prepare to distribute the communion elements, we're going to ask that you take those and hold those in your hand, and we'll partake of those collectively. And here's what I want us to do. Once you receive those elements, would you take a moment, would you take a moment to honor the memory of somebody who may not be with you this Christmas season? And, and I give you, I give you permission to have a moment of memory, to have a moment of grief. Would you remember something about their life, about their laugh, maybe even tied around Christmas that you can hold on to that memory? before we take communion together.
isn't he? December brings to memory for me some difficult times. I know Christmas is just around the corner. I know heaven is just around the corner. But 17 years ago in December, my dad passed from lung cancer. Seven years ago in December, my mother-in-law, dear saint of God, succumbed to cancer. It hurts. I miss them. I miss my father. I miss my mother-in-law. How many can you of you could say that? But I have to remember in this Christmas season that after 22 years of prayer, on his last, almost his last breath, my daddy accepted Jesus. He's in glory. There's hope. 
my dear mother, the saint of God, I saw her pray through some, some difficult times, and she modeled for me what it means to be a mother and a grandmother of faith. So as I recalibrate, as we position ourselves to receive the bread, as I recalibrate in this Christmas season, I'm giving glory for salvation. As I recalibrate this Christmas season and allow the, the joy of the message of Jesus to take over my morning, I'm going to remember the model of my mother-in-law who fought through the cancer to pray. One of her last prayers I heard her pray was Psalm 23 in which she said, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Corinthians, I read about communion and Jesus, listen to this, on the same night that he was betrayed, took bread. After he had given thanks and broke it and said, ye take, receive, this is my body, which was broken for you. He gave thanks first before we receive. Might we give thanks together? Father, we love you. We give thanks for your broken body on Calvary's cross for our sins. As a body of believers, we come to this moment and we say, turn our mourning into joy. Help us to recalibrate our remembrance of not only you, but of those that we miss but love so dearly. For heaven has come and heaven is just around the corner. We thank you that we can partake together of this wafer, of this bread, which is significant, of your broken body. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. Earlier, Pastor asked you to think of a memory of someone or something that you've lost. In church, I'm here to tell you this morning that we have a reason to turn that grief to joy. As the disciples were gathered together, Jesus took the cup in his hand and he gave thanks. And then he said, this cup is the blood of the covenant that will be poured out for the forgiveness of many. Luke goes on to describe this covenant as something that is new, a new covenant, meaning the old has passed away, it's gone. Can I tell you that your grief this morning has been eclipsed by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for all on Calvary's hill. For some of you, you may be grieving this morning, but those tears shall be turned to joy because Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. One day we will see those loved ones again. And can I tell you that we also have forgiveness of our sins? And can I also tell you that we have reason for joy because this new covenant has given us eternal life. If you will take that cup in your hand and let us pray. God, we thank you for turning our tears of sadness into joy. We thank you that one day we will be gathered together with those we have lost in the air, Lord. And in that moment in time, we will dance and our song, our forgotten song, will be turned into a song of joy. Today we take now in remembrance of you, take and drink.
invite you to stand as we continue to sing. God cares, and only God gives hope. Only God gives hope. So this scripture, this forgotten song, Rachel's song that's found in the book of Matthew, maybe you caught it as I read it through the first time in the Gospel of Matthew, but it actually comes out of the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. And so I knew that, that I felt like I wanted to preach hope. And then when I found out that the scripture was out of the book of Jeremiah, I started getting nervous. But if, because if you know anything about the book of Jeremiah, uh, church historians have labeled him the weeping prophet. He's not exact, like that's not, if you're having a bad day, you don't automatically go, Jeremiah, come on, pick me up, baby. Like that's not usually. And so I'm like, oh, Jeremiah, you got, you got to have something a uh, little encouraging for us. And, and this is pretty amazing. So turn to Jeremiah 31 now. Turn to Jeremiah 31. Let me read Rachel's song, but it's only a few verses in that what well, shifts. It shifts. This is what the Lord says. A cry is heard in Ramah. Deep anguish and bitter reaping. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children are gone. But now, say but now. But now this is what the Lord says. Don't weep any longer for, for I will reward you, says the Lord. Your children will come back to you from the distant land of the enemy. And then here it is. Here's the line, verse 17. There is hope 
for your future, not says Pastor Doug, not says CFA Church. Church, there is hope for your future, says the Lord. That's what Jesus says. And here's what you got to know this morning. Sadness is not the opposite of joy. You find joy on the other side of sadness. So it's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to walk through that knowing that you don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. But as you grieve and as you mourn, you work through that. The Holy Spirit helps you to work through that. And your joy and your hope is on the other side of that. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.